From Don Draper's Whiskey Glass, it's the IGN DigiGuys. And now, please welcome two men who were rejected for Project Mayhem, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Oh, Mark, so... Halloween still has not arrived, but of course this show comes the week of Halloween, and uh, what are you going to do for Halloween? Even though we did our Halloween show last week. Yeah, because we did this week, people wouldn't have time to buy the titles we talked about last week. I have a, um, I have a dream costume for Halloween that I've never worn that I'd like to wear. You're a dream? How a dream have... costume. A co- so like you dress up as a dream? No, no, a costume I've always wanted to wear. Oh, I was going to say. Never had, I've never had the guts to wear it because you know i I've, I've known you for a long time and i've never seen you as being able to pass yourself off as a dream nightmare perhaps i agree yeah uh kind of in the more in the psychosis realm yeah anyway this dream costume is when, when i was in japan and this is like over 10 years ago yeah i spent three weeks in japan uh i bought a, a kimono uh-huh which i still have and i never wear because a kimono is not like a robe. It's not that. It's, a kimono is not like a plush thing. You know, it's like a. It's like a big reptile, right? It's it, the yeah. kimono dragon. Correct. It's like a. It's, it's, they it's, have them like on the Galapagos or something like that. Yeah, and and uh, Marlon Brando wanted yeah. to eat one in, uh, yeah, in, exactly. in the freshman. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So I want to dress up as a geisha girl. I put on the kimono. I put white. white put white face paint mm-hmm. all over my face, mm-hmm. and I wear sandals. Sure. And the little red lipstick, and yeah. I go as a geisha girl. Okay. That's my dream Halloween costume. Okay. Now, I would do it. The only, the, the only way I would do it is if I got invited to a party big enough that I wanted to impress people. Mm-hmm. And or I went with a girlfriend, God mm-hmm. forbid. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. How about you, Wade? Why don't you dress as something? Uh, you know what? I've got, I've got a baby daughter. We're staying home and uh, watching... Uh, you and know. nobody's coming to your house. No, they're not. For, uh, no, because you live like way up on some ridiculous something. Yeah, right? it's 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 it, yeah, we're we're the scary house. We're we're thirteen thirteen no, Mockingbird Lane. Nobody can find your house. No. Uh, anyway, uh, you know we should we should uh, mention a couple of things that are uh, TV releases this week. They're kind of Halloweeny. If anybody might still be able to track them down, one of them is Kindred: The Embraced, the original vampire saga. Um, did you ever hear about this? This is like this big splashy box set that they sent us. And I'm like, wow, the original Vampire Saga, Kindred, The Embraced. I've never heard of this. And uh, anyway, this is like a, this is a, a kind of a, a big deal, I guess, among some people. Uh, this is from Paramount via CBS Home Entertainment. And uh, it, the box itself is just, I mean, the whole set is just like really splashy. It's, got, it's kind of like a gothic book. And it's got all this, like, you know, uh, just galore crap in it. The Kindred Chronicles and uh, deleted scenes. And, you know, it's like it's just a book and all this Kindred Requiem thing. And it's just You're, like, you, you are out of the Target demo. I know. That. I must be. Anyway, I've never heard of it. It's, I mean, I, I thought I followed all these different vampire shows at least enough to know a little bit about them. And there are a ton of them right now. But uh, I don't know. Never, never even, never even heard of this thing. And it's a short-lived series, um, only a handful of episodes. But uh, they apparently are just crazy, crazy popular. And um, there it is. 
So I, I never heard of this thing. I don't see what the appeal necessarily is. But if you're into the, the Kindred, the Kindred, the Embrace, the original Vampire Saga, it, it's out now, fans. It's out. And also Primeval New World, the complete series, uh, which was originally shown on Sci-Fi here. Uh, kind of Halloween-y, you know. It's sort of like... Uh, you know, Jurassic Park on television, and uh, I guess that's good for a scare or two. Um, it's an extremely well-done show technically. Can't say that I think the actors are all that great. It's a little bit like everything else that's on sci-fi. You kind of feel like they're, uh, they're trying too hard. But that's out on Blu-ray. Looks good. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, should I be yeah. saying something? Yeah, there you go. Should I be saying something? Uh, let, let's, uh, you know, we'll get back to some, some TV later, but Mark, let's talk about music. Tell us, what's, what's happening in the music world of this DVD morning. and Blu-ray that we should be uh, keen to? Uh, good music stuff this week, I have to say. Um, very highly recommended by me is a film that I saw at the LA Film Festival like two years ago and is finally out on Blu-ray called Ain't In It For My Health, a film about Levon Helm. Now, Levon Helm was the late drummer of the band... Uh, if you don't know the band, you may know the film made about the band, and that was Martin Scorsese's The Last Waltz. It was made about the band's uh, farewell performance. And uh, that was a great film, a classic Scorsese film. And uh, Levon Helm, who died, I'm going to say, within a year, uh, is the subject of the film. He's a very interesting guy. He, uh, he toured with Bob Dylan. And then he joined the band, and he really hit hard times after a while. And he was living in this very rural area, and he was in, he was in Woodstock. And he was so down on his luck that every year he would throw a concert at his home. It was like a charity concert kind of at his home. And Billy Bob Thornton, who's a, who was a friend of uh, Levon's, would be there. And uh, the documentary takes us into this concert that he would have at his home every year. And uh, it's great. Eight in it for my health is very highly recommended. Uh, if I ever started a band, you know what I would call it? What? The lap band. You know, years ago, years ago, uh, this is how long I've, uh, this is how long I've any, known any, Norman Allstate. No, no, one would, no one would actually get that joke unless you're aware of the infomercials and the commercials advertising this lap band stuff. Years it's ago. disgusting. It is disgusting, the lap band thing. I you remember, yes. I remember talking to our friend Norman. Yes. The, the author of Crazy for the Storm, yes. which is going to be made into a motion picture by Warner Brothers. Directed by Sean Penn, Directed presumably Sean Penn. at the moment. Yes. Um, uh, he Norman, wa- Norman, who, you know, I met first day of film school. That is true. That's right. Uh he wanted to start a band. We were like, whatever, 20 mm-hmm. or something. Yep. He wanted to start a band. And, and at the time, I was in this mode where I swear to God, I'm not making this up. I wanted to take up the banjo. I don't know why. Maybe it was Steve Martin or something. I don't know what it was. So I told Norman I wanted to take up the banjo. And he said, and knowing that I'd be completely rejected. Because who wants a banjo in a rock band? Right. But Norman, of course, being very magnanimous, said, banjo sounds great. What are we going to call our band? And I thought we should call it the Rubber Band, Sweet. because I'm an idiot, and I thought that was funny, and uh, I was 20 years old. In fact, I remember even taking a, a box of Rubber Bands and making our little logo. They were like small round rubber bands, and that's... I spelled out the Rubber Band. Anyway, that's a true story. Uh, and, and also, the the best. Am I talking? I'm still talking music, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. By all means. Okay. Uh, also, uh, the best band ever. Yes. Best band name ever. Yes. The the. The. Th- have you have you never heard of them? No. No, no, they're a band. They were a serious band called the the. 
Oh my gosh! Is that classic? No, that's hysterical. That's an actual band and an actual popular band. I mean, they're gone now. I think they're. I'm. I doubt I'm, they're active. I'm but. really looking forward to when CBGB comes out on uh, on DVD and Blu-ray because I had such a blast with that. Alan Rickman is so good in that. He's Alan Rickman's the best. I can't believe that. Alan, Alan Rickman in like looking as if he's like 25 again. But it's 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 like you know you're making. I mean, obviously the director and Alan Rickman had worked on stuff before, but you're making a movie about a guy. And this has nothing to do with DVDs and Blu-rays, but you know, uh, Hilly Crystal, who was sort of the godfather of uh, the the club owner, who godfathered all of these punk bands in New York at the time, not really realizing what he was doing. I mean, the real Hilly Crystal, he's he's schlubby, he's a, a total East Coaster, and he's Jewish, and he's got kinky hair. Does any of that say Alan Rickman to you? <laughs> No, but in the trailer, like the first shot of the trailer where you saw Alan Rickman with the kinky hair. And you just you just wanna you just wanna scream. It's just so awesome. It's just so great. Anyway. All right. Uh, in, uh, two, in uh, 1992, the surviving members of Queen played Wembley Stadium to do a, a tribute concert for the late Freddie Mercury. And this concert is I have to say, this concert is the shizzle. This is the shizzle. Yeah. There is Great artists playing great songs. David Bowie's on here, Def Leppard, Roger Daltrey, Guns N' Roses, Elton John, Metallica, Robert Plant, Liza Minnelli. Uh, great stuff. A lot of these are Queen songs. There are some songs here that, are, that aren't Queen songs. But uh, there's great stuff in this. The Freddie, Mercury, the Freddie Mercury Tribute Concert Queen Plus featuring all these great artists. So... I would definitely check that out. It was done for the uh, Mercury Phoenix Trust, which is a charity formed after he had died from AIDS. And uh, it's great. Check it out. The Freddie Mercury Tribute Concert. Also, we have Deep Purple, Perfect Stranger Live. This was shot in 1984. So it's on Blu-ray, but obviously this is not super Blu-ray quality because the concert is like 30 years old at this point. Um, But if you like Deep Purple, go for it. Obviously, they play Smoke on the Water. And uh, which is their most famous song, and a bunch of their other uh, classics too. He's never a big Deep Purple fan. I um, like Deep Purple. However, I'm a huge fan of Morrissey. I've always been a huge fan of Morrissey. I love Morrissey. This is a uh, I, uh, this is a um, concert that Morrissey gave in 2013 at Hollywood High School. Now, um, Morrissey uh, was a guest on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and Jimmy Kimmel Live sometimes when they have concerts. They'll give the concert kind of right near Hollywood High, but not in Hollywood High. Um, so I, he was probably in town when he had done Jimmy. Um, anyway, it's very recent. It's from March, and it's got a lot of great Morrissey songs, and I love Morrissey. Um, November spawned a monster, and you're the one for me, Fatty, and uh, that joke isn't funny anymore. Get, um, a bunch of Smith stuff, too. Meet is murder. Uh you know, and a bunch of solo stuff, obviously, too. Every day is like Sunday, and uh, it's great. I think this thing is great. I love Morrissey. He's awesome. And check this out, Morrissey at Hollywood High. Nice. Finally, in the music category, we have Shrek the Musical. Um, now, Shrek the Musical, of course, didn't have to happen, but you know what? In this day of cross, the horizontally integrated, cross-platform, collateralized uh, Disney, you can't have Shrek the Movie without Shrek the Musical. So depressing. And this thing did win a Tony, though, uh, so I guess you got to give it that, but I'm not really into it. Uh, this thing does not need to exist. Uh, it's silly. It's for kids. Not my thing, but uh, if you saw the show, or maybe you will not be making it to Broadway anytime soon and want to experience the show at least a little bit, this is your only chance. Shrek the musical. I'd pass. Nice. Awesome. 
the best. Uh, we've got a lot of classic movies today, and we're going to get to those shortly. But let me uh, let me go through just three um, foreign language films here, or well, foreign foreign films. Let's be specific: foreign films. Uh, you know, foreign language depends on whether or not it's uh, it's dubbed or not. Um, this is in both English and Italian. It's a Blu-ray of Hanging for Django by Sergio Garone. Um, you know, there are... Uh, there's so many Django films. There's so many freaking Django films. Except Django, which is, not, which is like not on a Region 1 Blu-ray. Uh, yeah, isn't that bizarre? Why is... They have all the other Django's are on Blu-ray except for Django. It's bizarre. Anyway, uh, this is not one of the better Django films, but this has uh, been released by Raro Video, and they do, you know, mostly Italian kind of culty stuff, and... Uh, it's a nice transfer. I mean, it's really good. It's, uh, the, the colors are sharp, and the, the elements that they dug up are really, really terrific. It's from 1969. Um, but it's, as far as Django films are concerned, it, it's just not very good, and it doesn't really have anything to do with any other Django films. They're just kind of exploiting the title. Um, and uh, there's another movie we're going to be talking about a little bit later, an Eastwood film that is not a, a, uh, a spaghetti western, but which, you know, I would recommend instead. So if, you, if you're a Django completist and you have to own every movie that just has the word Django in the title, it could be like, you know, Vampire Django and Django Goes to Rome. I, I guess, you, you know, Hanging for Django is, is going to be, he's going to need to be in there, but whatever. Uh, Miguel Gomez is a really interesting filmmaker, and he won the Silver Bear at the 62nd uh, uh, Berlin Film Festival for Taboo, which is um, a little bit too artsy to be commercial on anybody's radar, but he's such an interesting filmmaker that you, you just have to, if you, if you just want to see movies that just kind of are like a fever dream and they just kind of you know, intoxicate your subconscious in this really uh, almost poetic, erotic way, uh, by all means, check it out. It's not overly uh, lengthy. It's two hours, but it, it breezes by fairly well. And uh, it's got a great song score to it, great soundtrack of a lot of old classic songs. Um, the, uh, it, it, the question always arises, is it anything like the, uh, the classic silent film, Taboo? And the answer is no, not at all. Uh, this uh, has to do with the uh, Portuguese colonial war, and um, it's kind of a melodrama, uh, kind of a, an homage to old classic movies, kind of um, kind of a genre splice. Um, I, I don't quite know how to describe it, but it's a, it, it's sort of all over the map. It's very dreamy and fever dreamy and and symbolic and allegorical, and definitely worth checking out if you're if you're interested in uh, you know that kind of thing. Criterion has released a fantastic Blu-ray this week. It is, uh, it is first rate. This is Michelangelo, uh, Michelangelo Antonioni's La Notte. And uh, this is one of, the, of the, the great films of the 60s, one of the best films that Antonioni ever did. Um, this is... Uh, it, it just... It, it, it's right there along with La Ventura uh, in my book. The, most of these Criterion uh, transfers of late have been coming from, a, from 2K transfers. This is from a 4K transfer. Not that you're necessarily going to see all the detail of that on, on the Blu-ray. It, it's not even close. But in terms of the way that it captures the black and white, it is just uh, par excellence. It is just absolutely magnificent. And, um, you know, um, 
it, it, as far as Antonioni's films go, this may also this may be about the. I'd say this is probably the most the best photographed of his films. Um, I, I, I really struggle as to which which of them I like the best. La Ventura is awfully great. This is um, right up there in the top four or five. And what an amazing cast as well. I mean, what a fantastic cast. Um, just got to see it. You just got to absolutely see it. Um, here are the extras that you get on this. Uh, an interview with a, a film critic and a film historian from uh, Italy, whose names I'm not even going to try to pronounce. A new interview with uh, a professor on the role of architecture in the film. And then a trailer and a booklet that has an essay by Richard Brady and a 1961 article by uh, Antonioni, Antonioni himself. Now, Antonioni's career went a little bit astray later in the years. You know, before he died, he was making kind of sloppy movies that did feel like an old man made them. But La Notte is, uh, is just really magnificent. And uh, then real quickly, uh, some TV stuff. Um, before we have to get into all of the old classic movies that are the bread and butter this week. There's a guy named Jack Hanna who's apparently won a bunch of uh, Emmys for a, a, an, an animal show. And uh, he's not, he doesn't put himself at risk like the, uh, the croc hunter. Uh, he just he finds cute animals, and uh, if they're dangerous, he finds their offspring. And uh, apparently this is uh, really popular with a lot of kids. I never heard of it, never seen it, until it came in. And it's fun. It's fine. It doesn't really transcend any of those shows. There's a million of these movies over the years, or these, show, these TV series over the years. But uh, it's always nice to see people just uh, you know, showing you how you can handle dangerous animals without actually getting killed. And uh, you learn a lot about animals and their mating habits, and uh, somehow it's a kid's show. And then uh, also The Mentalist, which uh, I always enjoy watching just because I have uh, bumped in. Well, not bumped into. You do into. not enjoy watching that. You do really? Uh, yeah, well, because I. How is that? That thing's been out for 10 years. Yeah, well, because I, I occasionally see Simon Baker at, uh, at Whole Foods, and he's always buying uh, low fat yogurt. So I always know what to buy to stay healthy and look good because if you want to be like You want to be like a celebrity? want to be like a celebrity. That's right. So, th- but this is what makes celebrities paranoid because they know that when they go to the store, you, people are looking at what they're buying. Of course. Oh, my God. Simon Baker uh, eats Honey but, Nut but Cheerios? He's, but he's at Whole Foods. People aren't necessarily looking at him. They're looking at the other celebrities. Because he's kind of second tier, right? Oh. Anyway, this is the complete first season of The Mentalist on Blu-ray uh, from Warner Archive. They have uh, decided that this is probably not popular enough for, to you know, do mass distribution on Blu-ray. So you can go to warnerarchive.com and... And get yourself for the first season of The Medalist on Blu-ray. Most people who really love the show are probably just uh, not that demanding and are perfectly satisfied in getting getting it on regular DVD. Anyway, uh, no, really, the first season of this thing is a little bit sloppy. Uh, It hasn't really hit its stride yet, but, um, you know, it's it's the first season of The Mentalist. Go, Mark. Uh, Wade, um, Christopher Guest has a a new show. It's actually not that new anymore, but... uh, it's called Family Tree, and uh, I like this show. This is a cute show. It's not really getting much traction. Uh, people really aren't like super duper talking about it, but it's a good show. I like it. It's um, in the uh, in the show, which is on HBO. Um, this uh, guy, it's Chris O'Dowd from Bridesmaids. He was the guy with the accent, the cop from the with the accent from Bridesmaids. He plays this thirty year old guy who uh, you know he's he's going nowhere in life. He inherits this this box. From I think it was his aunt, as I remember back on the pilot, uh, from his aunt, and he opens it up and he finds all these little oddities and little tchotchkes and whatnot, and it spurs him on to try to find all of his lost family members. So each week, 
using a combination of script and a little bit of improv, he goes to another town or meets another family member, and they interact with him. And it's interesting. It's very insightful. It's, it's a little bittersweet. It's a little bit quirky. It's, it's a bit of a gem. I, 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 I like this show. I, I wish this show would get... It, it's, not, it does, it's not violent, you know, like a mob thing like The Sopranos or Dexter or something. You know, it's a, it's a quirky little gem, and that's not really going to, like, take the world by storm. So I, I understand why it doesn't really have that cultural traction that some of the other shows have, but it, it, it is really terrific. Family Tree. Uh, less than terrific is the third season of Nikita. This is on the CW, which means that everybody is just so gorgeous beyond all belief. It is unbelievable. I want to live in a world where everybody, everybody lives in a... I, I want to live in a CW world. No, no you don't, because, because then you wouldn't recognize anyone. It would be like uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. We'd all be clones. And Actually, it'd, it'd even, be creepy. even worse, if we lived in a CW world, I would be even more dateless than I am now. Mm-hmm. Because in the CW world, all the guys are so hot. Yeah. That, but then again, I'd be unique. See, once the girls had already slept with all the hot guys, then they could sleep with the fat guy. Because I'd be the only one. Because there are no fat people on the, C- on the CW. You'd be unique, but people would catch you. You know how they would catch you? Uh, they would uh, uh, what? The way, you, the, the way you catch someone who's unique. Do you know this? Unique this up, is going to be so stupid. Unique up on them. See, you said it would be stupid, and it wasn't. It wasn't, wasn't. Exactly. Brilliant. You know, uh, let's, let's get into some classic movies. Gosh, thank goodness. Been trying to get into this. Um, Orson Welles' The Stranger. Fantastic. Fantastic film. Almost no one has ever seen this film in its, in its proper form. One year after World War II ended, Orson Welles decided, I'm going to play a Nazi. Bold, right? You've, you've made Citizen Kane. You've done, you know, Magnuson Ambersons. You're considered like... I mean, hey, that's, that's what you want to do. Put... Put yourself out there. I'm going to play a Nazi. 1946. And I'm going to cast Edward G. Robinson as the guy who's chasing me down. And uh, it, honestly, this is one of the coolest movies Orson Welles ever made. And he made a lot of cool movies. And, but unfortunately, this film was chopped up, butchered, uh, like a lot of Welles' stuff. And uh, circulated in just a million different forms. And... Uh, God love them, uh, Library of Congress and Kino Lorber together finally putting out a beautiful, pristine, archival restoration of The Stranger in its complete, full running time, 94 minutes. can't believe anybody would have cut 94 minutes. And this is just a beautiful movie. It is absolutely fantastic. Uh, among the many little tidbits about this, uh, you know who the producer of the film was, Mark? Oh, it's... Um, uh, uh, in 1946, an, uh, an up-and-coming producer who uh, I believe, I could have it wrong, I believe at the time did not even, was, did not even have legal residence in the United States. He was, oh, an, he was an illegal alien. Yes. Really? It was, yes. uh, it was, uh, it was uh, Danny Trejo? No, uh, the producer of the film was S.P. Eagle. Really? Do you know who S.P. Eagle was? Yeah, Sam Spiegel. That's right. <laughs> Isn't that great? I love it. Anyway, uh, yeah, one of, uh, one of Sam Spiegel's early producing efforts before he decided to actually uh, go by his real name, Sam Spiegel. And, of course, then would go on to do uh, On the Waterfront, Lawrence of Arabia, Bridge of the River Kwai, uh, lots of great movies. And uh, so Orson Welles' A Stranger, just a fantastically beautifully photographed film, a lot of great extras on here. Uh, the, again, the restoration is fantastic. Brett Wood, who uh, does the audio commentary, has done a lot of these and is very comfortable 
totally nails down all the details, gives you absolutely the right context and the right history, Phil leaves no stone unturned. You will know everything you need to know about this film just from listening to the commentary. Also a uh, trailer, a 21-minute 1945 informational film on Nazi death camps, uh, which was produced by Billy Wilder. And the reason it's here is that there's footage from this movie that is from the short that's in the movie. It's called Death Mills. I warn you, however, it is really deeply disturbing. Uh, we've all seen footage from this thing, but most people have never seen the full 21-minute short. And it's, it's, it is haunting. And then you get uh, Orson Welles' wartime radio broadcasts, uh, which are perfectly fine. Um, I'm not sure that you know, they, they uh, really deserve to be here, but it's, it's added material that's perfectly fine and wonderful and, uh, and, and very special. And then uh, the uh, Western I was talking about earlier that we were, you know, going to recommend is from the new 70s Best of the Decade uh, branded series from uh, Universal. And this is a Blu-ray and ultraviolet uh, set for High Plains Drifter, the 40th anniversary edition. Uh, Clint Eastwood was in his complete and total groove at the time. Uh, He was making his, you know, strides as a director himself at the time. And uh, this is a really, really great film. It ages incredibly well. I'm, I'm stunned at how it just still captures, you know, a certain something, that, that Clint Eastwood view of the West, his sensibility of, a, of the West, was just so different from any other director at the time. And um, he definitely imports a lot of Leone. Um, you know, there's a little bit of... Uh, there's, a, there's always some John Ford in all of A little bit, of, maybe a little bit, but it's edgier. It's, 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 oh, sure. It's, it's not quite Peckinpah edgy, but it's a little, you know, it's what we saw in Unforgiven. Unforgiven kind of represents the culmination of that sensibility. Anyway, terrific film. And what I hadn't realized was this was produced, as long as we're talking about producers, this was produced by uh, Bob Daly. Bob Daly? Bob Daly, the same Bob Daly who would go on to uh, be... Run Warner Brothers. Run Warner Brothers, and then after that be a, a Yahoo guy and... Isn't he with the Dodgers now or something? Or Angel he was. Or I'm not was. sure if he still is. He yeah. was. Now, now they have new ownership. Yeah. By the way, you know, um, in honor of the, uh, the Red Sox and the World Series, that's why I'm, I'm wearing my uh, Lakers shirt. You are wearing a Lakers shirt. Yes. The Lakers are going nowhere this year. I know. You're, they, the Lakers are about to reach a fallow period. Uh, tell me about it. Because Kobe's not going to last forever. It's, it's, it's going to be over soon. Don't rub it in, homie. Don't run it in. Don't rub it in. So, uh, anyway, the, uh, yeah, High Plains Drifter. Really, really terrific film. And uh, a fantastic Blu-ray. Beautifully done. And there are going to be a lot more movies uh, coming out in the uh, 70s Best of the Decade series. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Wade, from, in 2008, a forgettable science fiction film called Jumper was released. Oh, my gosh. Is that the, uh, the, 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 the Doug, the, Lyman, Doug thing? Lyman thing? Oh, my gosh. It stars uh, the horrible Hayden Christensen, who will never live down being so bad in the Star Wars prequels, which, by the way, is not even... Re- I mean, look, he's, he's the, the guy's a piece of cardboard as far as yeah. I'm concerned, but George Lucas is not going to bring a performance out of any actor. He will just tell an actor to stand in front of the green screen and read your lines. True. So, um, yeah, he hasn't lived that down. In fact, I don't think that guy works that much anymore, but uh, Jumper is a completely... Uh, Acceptably terrible science fiction film about these uh, genetic mutations, these people that have the genetic mutations that allows them to teleport themselves anywhere in the world. 
And uh, so this guy is a jumper, and he can teleport himself anywhere in the world, uh, and he meets other jumpers just like him, and it triggers this little war that threatens mankind. Ugh, so tired of that plot. I know. I, you know, it's funny. Like, this movie, it, the movie's five years old at this point, and nobody watched it. I wonder why they even cared. I don't know. Maybe it was easy. Maybe they got a good deal to transfer it into 3D. I don't know. I guess. Although, if you want to see a science fiction film with one name and two syllables, yeah. you must, must, must go see Looper. Yeah. I think maybe they're thinking people will confuse the two. Looper, <laughs> Jumper. Right? Maybe. It could be. You never I know. I don't know. Maybe, so maybe, maybe somebody did confuse it, and, and who knows? I don't know. Uh, you know, spoofy horror films are uh, not my thing, but uh, some people love them. The only one I ever saw, actually, that I, I actually enjoyed, I would probably hate now, but I saw it when I was, you know, a kid, and, and I, I found some strange, perverse amusement. It was Student Bodies, which was oh, sort of, it was the first one, uh, produced by Alan Smithy. It was an Alan, Alan Smithy, produced by Alan Smithy. Oh, my, it was like, so bad the producers didn't want anything to do with it. it. took his name off. Anyway, all I remember is Malbert P. Red. That's never been on DVD or on Blu-ray. I think somebody probably burned the negative. And how come nobody's come out with the big bus? Nobody has come out with the big bus. What? No! <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Oh, no, I swear to God. Let me see it. God damn F word. I didn't even know that. You have to give me that. We'll get to oh, it. Oh, come on. I, I knew you would be. I swear to God, I didn't even know I was, that. I, I was, I was waiting to. I was waiting really? to spring that on you. Oh, I love the big bus. We all do. Don't make me sing the song. Six months to live. That's all he's got. Yeah, six months to live. Well, he may see summer, but he won't see fall. So forget about Christmas. Thank you. Yeah. You, are you really going to keep the big bus? It, of course. My gosh. I'm I love ordering it right now online. It's Warner Archive. So I have to go to WarnerArchive.com. Uh, you know, I think they may have a deal now through Amazon. Well, look, there are occasional Warner Archive stuff. In order, but I, I swear to God, I to love that Warner film. And I, I, oh, it's, but it's not Blu-ray, right? Anyway, I... Wait, is it Blu-ray? No. Unfortunately. Idle Hands. Uh, you know what? The, uh, the, the, the idea here is that the devil uh, chooses as his minion the, this complete, total dork loser. Um, you know, Seth Green is a talented guy, and I don't know why he's in this. I don't know why anybody's in this. It's, it's just, it's so mercenary on so many ways. Um, anyway, it, it's, you know, as a, as a last-minute uh, Halloween comedy, I guess you could do worse, but it's, uh, it's just one of those programmers, those straight-to-Blu-ray programmers. Um, got a bunch here from Olive, which I'm going to try to get through relatively quickly because we do want to get to uh, some of this VCI stuff and some of the Warner stuff. So uh, while Mark is ordering his, uh, <laughs> I really am. His you big think I'm bus. joking, don't you? No, he is. He's ordering the big bus. Uh, I'll go through this real quickly. Um, you know, Olive. Uh, Olive just keeps plucking these these fantastic titles from uh, Paramount and some other libraries. And uh, by the way, are there any? Uh, are there any? No, there's no extra features, right? It's, no. It's uh, Warner Archives. Yeah. Uh, but uh, one of the more interesting Olive releases of late is uh, actually not one of their catalog titles, but it does bear uh, recommending, which is a television production playing for time. And uh, this is a um, th- really extraordinary piece of television from 1980, that I, uh, I'm very impressed they went and plucked out. It, is, uh, it won a bunch of Emmy Awards, and it was nominated for a ton, and it was even a Peabody Award winner. 
and features a performance by Vanessa Redgrave that will just absolutely floor you as a uh, Jewish cabaret singer uh, working in Paris during when the when the Nazis invade. It is uh, it's really really very very good. It is um, it's a little tough to watch in some respects. But it's a classic piece of television that would have completely been forgotten had Olive uh, not rescued it. And I'm so glad they did. It's out on Blu-ray. And uh, it's called Playing for Time, featuring one of the best performances you will ever see by Vanessa, from Vanessa Redgrave. Really, really just uh, first-rate television from a time when this kind of stuff really wasn't routinely on television. So absolutely, definitely check that out. And then uh, the, uh, the, the more classic stuff, um, mostly from the Paramount Library. A Sam Wood film called Guest Wife, starring Claudette Colbert, Don Amici, and Richard Foran, uh, which is uh, kind of a cool little screwball comedy. Um, not one of the, uh, the A-listers of the era, but, you know, the, Claudette Colbert is just such a delight to watch. It, it, it kind of papers over whatever uh, formulaic stuff might, uh, might be plaguing the rest of the thing. Uh, Shack Out on 101. You ever heard of Shack Out on 101? No, wait. Are you seriously not going to give me the, give me the big bus? Because no. I am literally on Warner Archives right now. Do it. I am not. I, this is the, that is the God's honest truth. Do it. Place secure order. Okay, the, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, just a second. Oh gosh, big bus. You are such a strange man. Six months to live. I know. I'll give you the big bus. Yay! I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put you through this hell. Yay! Oh, oh, wait, are, are, are we recording right now? Yeah, we're recording. Oh, we are? Yes, of course we are. Let's wait, so I'm not going to place the order. No. Yay, Yankee we'll Way! It's, I, it's, it's like I, res- I rescued you at the last minute. From, <laughs> you really uh, did. I was about to place, I was, uh, I I was on place secure yeah, order. I know. Shack out. Shack out on 101. Uh, directed by Edward Dine and starring Terry Moore, Frank Lovejoy, Keenan Wynn, and Lee Marvin. A Lee Marvin who is so young. You know, Lee Marvin did a lot of noir stuff where he was uh, kind of a second-tier actor. He was a sporting actor, usually playing some kind of big palooka. Like, you know, sort of like... Well, what, he had that boxer face. Yeah, and, and he, he really eventually, he just you know, waited until his time came and he just popped out and suddenly showed acting chops that he never showed in any of those other, uh, those other parts. But this is basically a Terry Moore movie. Terry Moore is the, uh, the, uh, the star of this thing. Uh, plays, she plays a waitress. At a little cafe, and uh, you know when you're at a cafe in a noir, next thing you know, people are coming into that cafe, and you are caught in the middle of an espionage situation. What? Right? Doesn't that always happen to you in a cafe? Every day. Of course. And uh, you know, spies like to sort of congregate in cafes. That's where they always have their secret hangouts and do all their secret meetings. You know that, right? Well, now it's Starbucks. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Plunder Road, another one of the, you know, any movie that had road in the title back in the 1950s and 60s, this is from 1957, if you had road in the title, it meant that it was some kind of gritty noir with fast cars and dangerous people. And uh, that is indeed what this is. Uh, this is directed by Hubert Cornfield, who uh, did a movie called The Night of the Following Day. I am loosely familiar with him, but it, uh, it's uh, kind of one of those uh, gritty... Uh, one of those those gritty kind of teenish noirs, uh, not you know the best, but it's it's got that second tier bunch of people, including uh, Gene Cooper and Gene Raymond. It's it's okay for what it is. Uh, Ambush at Simran Pass is uh, one of those westerns that would be completely forgotten if not for the fact that it had a young Clint Eastwood in it. 
uh, made in 1958, and uh, it is the, distinguished by the fact that it's the only film ever directed by film editor Jody Copeland. I don't even know who Jody Copeland is. Oh, that's uh, Mr. and Mrs. Copeland. Of course he is, yes, absolutely. Uh, but honestly, if this, is, uh, if this didn't have uh, Clint Eastwood in it, 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 playing a character by the name of Ramrod, by the way, I don't know that this would be very <laughs> really worth anything. Uh, it's not that good. It's just kind of a, a standard, uh, you know, post-Civil War Western and not that big of a deal. And then uh, the, Ameri- uh, the Americano uh, is a William Castle movie with Glenn Ford that features a pretty great performance by Cesar Romero, to be honest. And uh, most people only know Cesar Romero as the Joker on Batman, but he did some, he delivered some pretty great performances. And I got to tell you, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed him. He chews the scenery a little bit, but something about Cesar Romero in, in his heyday, just pretty great. And, uh, you know, all this takes place in South America, and it's a little bit of a noir, kind of an exotic South American noir when Glenn, Glenn Ford is involved. You know, he's always in danger somewhere, and he has that, you know, his face just kind of says, Courage, I'm going to weather the storm. The Big Combo is uh, a Joseph Lewis-directed noir that uh, is better than average. And uh, this is a really, really good restoration. They actually screened this at the Festival of Restoration at UCLA uh, not too long ago. And uh, UCLA and the uh, Film Foundation were involved in the uh, the restoration of it. And uh, it's a lovely Blu-ray. It really is. Um, it features Cornell Wilde, Richard Conti, Brian uh, Donlevy, and Gene Wallace. And uh, it's a, it's a you know David Rack, great David Rack's and music in this one. I got to tell you, it's a pretty uh, pretty slick little script in in this case. Uh, nice little twists and turns, uh, ins and outs, and um, you know second tier noir, like a B plus noir. And then their ongoing releases of John Wayne titles includes The Fighting Kentuckian, which is one of the better John Wayne movies from the period. Uh, that was released in 1949, just as John Wayne was kind of starting to segue into, his, into the heyday of his uh, John Ford period. He'd been working with John Ford in a few things up until 49, but really it's in the 50s and, the, and you know, then into the early 60s that they really start doing their finest work. And uh, here he plays John Breen, who's kind of like a, a pseudo... Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, President, Dave, kind of a pseudo player. No, no, kind of a pseudo Davy Crockett slash uh, Daniel Boone guy. Yo, Ned Beatty has eight kids. Ned Beatty has eight kids. Yes, four with his first wife, two with his second wife, two with his third wife, and now he's on his fourth wife. Really? Now, I mention this because Ned Beatty's in the big bus. Okay, wow, <laughs> it's interesting. I only ate the floor mats. See, he he got into a he he crashed the bus on Mount Diablo, and then he was ostracized by his bus bus driving yes. uh, you know, mates because the rumor was that on Mount Diablo he survived by eating the passengers. That's right. He, but he he keeps maintaining that he didn't eat the passengers. Wade, he only ate the floor mats. That's right. By the way, Fighting Kentucky also has Oliver Hardy in it, minus Stan Laurel. No, no Stan Laurel. No, he's he's good in it. He's good. He's good. And then, uh, Mark, uh, you know what? Have you ever seen this movie? I never even heard of this until we got this. An American hippie in Israel? Have you ever heard of this? No, it's hilarious. This is just hysterical. This is a riot. This is, a, this is like the, the, the funkiest, weirdest 60s exploitation movie I think I've ever seen. Well, I've you, seen some weird ones. Well, you know, the people at the Grindhouse releasing, they... They they get all these funky movies. A lot of them from the fifties. There there's was the, uh, so much of that stuff out there. It's just completely wild. 
uh, although they could do a better job on their packaging because the Blu-ray just fell apart in my hands. That's okay. Um, I mean, what are you going to say about an American hippie in Israel? I mean, come on. <laughs> although, look, look, I'm telling you, these guys at Grindhouse, they do, they do a very good job. They turn this into, into a 3D, three-disc set. There's a Blu-ray. There's a DVD. There's a bonus DVD with all sorts of special features. Um, they played this thing at the Beverly Cinema here in Los Angeles, which mm-hmm. has some of the best double features you will ever see. Every single double feature at the Beverly Cinema, which is now either owned wholly or co-owned by Quentin Tarantino. Um, really? You didn't know that? I didn't know that. The Beverly, the Beverly Cinema was I, going down. I that, knew, well, that, I knew that he went and, and did a little cash infusion, but I didn't know if that, that, that constituted an ownership. Um, I'm going to have to look at... Yeah. Uh, now you're going to make me look it up. Look it up. <laughs> look it up. Um, anyway, so this thing is, uh, I'm sure this thing is just out of control. It's an American hippie in Israel. No, it, it's really funny. I, I, I watched it, maybe half an hour of it, and I uh, couldn't stomach it anymore because it was, it was just too corny. And it's just, it's just, you know, you see actors in this that you've seen in other exploitation films, and, and, and you, see, you see actors that you've seen, like, doing 70s television, and you just go, oh, I really didn't need to know that you did this. Well, here it I is. really didn't need to know you needed a paycheck that badly. In December 2007, to save the property from redevelopment, Quentin Tarantino bought the building that houses the New Beverly Cinema, oh, that. effectively making him the theater's landlord. I didn't know that. Well, how about that? Good for him. Uh, you know, a few things from VCI I want to make quick mention of. There's a terrific film, a really, really, really terrific film. Tarantino uh, has a funny quote. He's, Tarantino was quoted as saying, as long as I'm alive and as long as I'm rich... The new Beverly will be show, will be there showing double features in thirty five millimeter. Sweet, good for him. Yay! So anyway, uh, there's a terrific film from nineteen fifty seven that is that has been out on DVD before in not a terribly great transfer. It is out in a much better transfer as part of the new Rank Collection, the ongoing Rank Collection releases through VCI. And this is uh, this is really important, and I would I would recommend anybody who loves uh, old movies to definitely check this out. Across the Bridge, starring Rod Steiger, a great performance by Rod Steiger. Really an interesting movie, totally overlooked movie. Um, he plays a, a basically a, 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 a kind of a Wall Street guy uh, who um, absconds with his company's money and, and goes to Mexico. And uh, it's really a fascinating, fascinating uh, character study. A great performance by Steiger. Really an interesting movie for the period. Totally unusual. And um, completely worth checking out. It, is, uh, it's a, it was written by Graham Greene. Um, but it's not like anything else that uh, Graham Greene ever did. It doesn't really have his, his hallmarks of it. It feels more like a like an angry young man film from uh, this particular period in England. And uh, if you love Rod Steiger, as I do, you definitely want to check this out. That is a really, really cool movie. And uh, also recently out from VCI, as part of the Rank Collection, is The Lady Vanishes, not the, the Alfred Hitchcock film. Uh, this is the Sybil Shepherd Elliot Gould film uh, that also features Angela Lansbury and uh, a whole bunch of other people uh, who really shouldn't probably not have done this. Um, the Hitchcock film should have stood on its own, but they, in 1978, uh, for some crazy reason, uh, all these people who should know better went and said, "You know what? Um, we think that George Axelrod is uh, is the equivalent is, is the equal to Alfred Hitchcock, and we think he will do a good job of remaking one of Hitchcock's best films." Good call. No, not not at all. But um, it is worth watching just for the cast alone. Uh, again, not 
worthy of Hitchcock's film by any means, but it is a bizarre historical novelty, and uh, it, is, it is finally out from the Rank Collection. And then also um, a couple of uh, Dirk Bogard movies here, if you're a Dirk Bogard fan. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big Dirk Bogard fan, uh, at least in The, in the Servant. He is in uh, Hunted and uh, Once a Jolly Swagman. You know what a swagman is, Mark? Uh, I bet that's either like either a, either some sort of crook or a guy who loves to party and drink and drink beer. Uh, no, he, 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 Swagman is like a, a factory worker, and here he's a factory worker who uh, wants to become a motorcycle rider. If I see another movie about a factory worker who wants to become a motorcycle rider, I'm 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 explode. You. I'm telling you. And then, uh, you know, and, I mean, he's a good actor. It's, even, even when it's a kind of a bizarre movie it, like that with a strange plot that's just totally patronizing for, you know... I mean, it's not 1960. This is 1948, you know, not when they, back when they weren't necessarily doing motorcycle movies and crap like that. But anyway, and then uh, Hunted is actually quite a good film. Uh, this is considered like a, one of the hallmarks of Dirk Bogart's career. 1952, really, really, really good. Uh, and a, a little bit disturbing. It's... Uh, about a, a kid who, a uh, foster kid who uh, burns down his uh, foster parents' home and um, then runs into uh, a character played by Dirk Bogard. And there's a really interesting kind of surrogate father-son thing that happens during this bizarre road trip that they, uh, they carry on. It's a, it's a really intriguing film, directed by the great Charles Crichton, of course, of uh, Fish Called Wanda fame and many other uh, amazing films at the time. Crichton, more of a comedy specialist, here really showing his drama chops. So uh, yeah, I would definitely say uh, Hunted is one of, the, uh, one of the more interesting films this week. And um, Mark... Actually, you know what? Let me uh, throw another, a couple in here. Dirk Bogart has a supporting role in Dear Mr. Prohack, uh, which also features a young Glennis Johns, Glennis Johns of uh, you know, um, uh, Mary Poppins fame. Um, this is kind of a, you know, this is sort of a programmer. It's uh, a little bit of a romance thing, not really that great. And then um, Climbing High, which is an old Carol Reed film that uh, stars Jesse Matthews. There's another Jesse Matthews out this week, a movie I did not get a chance to watch, There Goes the Bride. Um, Jesse Matthews, I don't know what her deal was, but she apparently was a big, big deal once upon a time, in, at least in British films. And um, anyway, you watch this and you, watch, you think Carol Reed directed this and you go, Carol Reed? The Carol Reed who would go on to win an Oscar for Oliver and who did The Third Man? I don't see that guy in this movie, 1938. So he's clearly, uh, you know, working as a hired hand. Uh, but, you know, I, the, the, real mo- the real reason for this movie is Jesse Matthews. And uh, I'd never heard of her. Not that familiar with uh, why she's a big deal. She's okay on screen, I guess. Uh, but to, to British audiences at the time, she must have been a real, a real hot number. All right, Mark. Tell us why the big bus is a big deal. Because we have six months to live the best. I, 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 I'm, I'm so upset that I didn't get to surprise you with that, but anyway, I'm happy. I, I, it was a total coincidence that I happened to mention I the big bus. I can't believe you did that. And literally, I've been waiting for like 47,000 years for this I thing know. to come out on DVD. Well, you know, it's, it's been out before. Big bus came out actually a decade ago. On VHS? No, no, on DVD. It came out, in, it came out on DVD originally in 2002, um, and uh, it, you know, it, was, it went quickly out of print. And it's been out of print forever. And uh, this is part of the Paramount uh, 
library that Paramount said to Warner Brothers, we don't really care about these movies, you, here you do them. And so Warner Brothers is pumping a lot of that onto uh, all these old Paramount out-of-print titles. They're just pumping them out onto, uh, onto you know, Warner Archive titles. So the big bus finally gets its release. I wish it were Blu-ray, but you know, it, needs, it needs a real cult outcrying to get that thing on Blu-ray. Well, I, uh, this thing... It's one pre- of the funniest movies ever made. This thing predates Airplane. Yep. You know, this thing was produced by Michael and Julia Phillips. Look out, he's got a broken milk carton. <laughs> so funny. This it's, just, thing, it's out, I mean, come on. Tell me it's, it doesn't have some of the greatest sight gags ever. It, the bus has a bowling alley on it. Yes, it does. And, and there's that one shot of people trying to bowl on the bus as it's moving... It's, I mean, the, the impossibility of, of, of bowling on a moving bus is just one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. The problem is that you can't, watch, you can't rent this. This is not Netflixable. I know. I know. It's such a shame. Yeah. Anyway, this, is, uh, this was the original disaster spoof movie. This predates sure Airplane. And uh, I love this film. When it, uh, well, I mean, I don't think I saw it in first run. I was a little young then. But... Um, I do love this film. It's got a great cast, uh, especially for that time. Uh, Joe, Joe Bologna's in it, uh, Stocker Channing, Ned Beatty, Larry Hagman, Richard Mulligan, Lynn Redgrave, Harold Gould, Ruth Gordon. Ruth Gordon, Sally. who was in everything at that time. Once and Rosemary's Baby hit, she was just acting in everything. And Sally Kellerman. Yeah. So uh, The Big Bus is available from Warner Archive Collection. I love this film. This is a favorite, so I'm looking forward to... Uh, I can't talk t- about the uh, picture quality, which I'm sure is probably marginal. Uh, because I didn't know we were going to talk about it, because Wade yeah. sprung it on me. Uh, well, you know, I mean, it's a DVD-R, it, it's a, and, and it's the same quali- It's effectively the same quality as the, uh, the original DVD release from Paramount, uh, which is fine. You know, nothing, nothing uh, earth-shattering. But, uh, you know, the DVD-Rs that they released through Warner Archive are really, really first-rate. And speaking of, uh, four other uh, Warner Archive titles here. Uh, real quickly, Volume 3 of The Bowery Boys. Uh, that's a phenomenon that came and went really, really quickly. If you are a fan, well, if you already have Volumes 1 and 2, here we go. Uh, Twelve more movies. Twelve more movies. Man, they cranked them out. Uh, I'm not even going to name them. The Bowery Boys are the freaking Bowery Boys. You know, this, is, this was a, just a programmer at the time. It's what you went and saw if you were a teenager. And Warner apparently uh, believes, and seemingly correctly, since they keep releasing them, that there are nerds out there who have some kind of uh, fixation with the Bowery Boys. Uh, Jimmy Stewart and Ginger Rogers and Vivacious Lady, which was uh, you know, produced by Pandra Berman for RKO at uh, the time, fell into the Warner Library through all of these various library acquisitions over the years. And, um, you know, uh, George Stevens, kind of a, one of his standard studio deals. It's... Um, you know, uh, it's not the best thing that Jimmy Stewart ever did. Not the best thing that Ginger Rogers ever did. Not anything they should really be ashamed of. Uh, kind of a, de- a mid-level screwball comedy. But, um, you know, if they're pleasant stars, even if it's not their best work. Uh, a little bit more interesting is the uh, Jimmy Stewart-Rosalind Russell film, No Time for Comedy which is, was directed by William Keeley. And William Keeley was a, uh, an in-house director at Warner Brothers at the time who uh, did a lot of, you know, pretty solid stuff. This time he's working from a screenplay by the Epstein brothers, who, of course, did Casablanca. And uh, it is very, very sharp material. Um, I think Jimmy Stewart is just a tad miscast, actually. But um, still very, very good. Rosalind Russell is wonderful. And uh, the always delightful Charlie Ruggles brings it home 
You know why Charlie Ruggles is famous, don't you, Mark? Because he has a funny last name? No, you know Charlie Ruggles, you know his voice, because he was the original voice of a character in an animated television thing that has recently been made into a movie, much to my chagrin, that I'm going to be actually seeing this week. Uh, that's too convoluted. Don't get it. Uh, Mr. Peabody. Oh, God, that's... I, I have no... That's not even on my radar. Yep. Sherman and Mr. Peabody. You realize they just made a Sherman and Mr. Peabody movie. Yes, I had known so that. So depressing. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be awful. And then a great little genre film with Peter Lorre. Uh, the Beast with Five Fingers. As opposed... You know, that's like... That could be anyone. We all have five fingers. Well, but not on... Not both hands combined. Oh, I know. Anyway, Peter Lorre is uh, it's just terrific in this, as always. Uh, directed by a guy I, who is otherwise completely off the radar, uh, Robert Forey. Um, but, you know, the only reason you want to see this is for the, the lovely uh, kind of Italian environs and for uh, Peter Lorre's performance. That's it. That's all you want to see it. Takes, now, I, I'm not even sure that they actually shot this in Italy, to be honest, but they do a good job of convincing you that they did. So uh, there it is. Peter Laurie in The Beast with Five Fingers. Uh, Mark, we only have a few minutes left. Shall we uh, cover some docs? Does that sound good? We shall. You know, this was on uh, PBS the other night, and uh, at the end of the PBS show, it said, if you'd like to watch this, go get the Blu-ray or the DVD. I'm like, wow. Then why don't I just do that not watch your stupid PBS show? Um, Superheroes, uh, A Never-Ending Battle, is a documentary about, oh, let's just say, superheroes. And it's uh, narrated by Liv Schreiber. Timely. Timely. Yeah. It's uh, narrated by Liv Schreiber, who has his own moderate superhero connection. I think he was in in Green Lantern, right? Was he in Green Lantern? No, he was... um, Wolverine. Wolverine. The other one, Wolverine. Yeah. Why did I say Green Lantern? I don't know. Um, He was in Wolverine. So anyway, this is uh, very good. It is... uh, It... Is very comprehensive. It gets into the difference between you know, Marvel and DC and where it all started and the uh, how it started in the, in the Great Depression. And now you've got the blockbuster movies of the 21st century. It takes you up through all of that. The thing is like a, three hours long. So uh, please don't watch it in one sitting because you'll probably fall asleep. Or at least maybe your legs will fall asleep. Anyway, uh, Superman, Batman, Captain America, The Shadow goes through all of them. And it's terrific. It really is good. Patty and Jay Baker did a great job. So this is on uh, Blu-ray and DVD. Now, we also have a special edition Blu-ray of Chasing Ice. Now, Chasing Ice is an amazing documentary. This is about uh, James Balog. Probably mispronouncing his name, even though I saw the movie. Uh, In the spring of 2005, he went to the Arctic uh, for National Geographic, and he was wanted to take pictures of, uh, you know, the earth and the changing climate and how the uh, icebergs are melting and whatnot. And so... Um, icebergs are melting? They are. Oh, iceberg, like icebergs, not iceberg lettuce. No, ice. Oh, the no, actual, that's okay, that's the, okay. The huge masses of Okay, no, I can deal with that. As long as the iceberg lettuce doesn't go away. That's, no, that you, would... you love your, your, your salad wedge. Oh, hell yeah. Do you, really, do you, do you eat salad wedge? No. Like, like, a, like a, a third of a, we, a head of lettuce with I blue think, cheese on it? I think, I think iceberg lettuce is the most disgusting thing ever grown. I mean, in, in truth be told, if iceberg lettuce went away, if global warming could destroy iceberg lettuce instead of icebergs, I'd be all for it. What's wrong with iceberg would. lettuce? It's disgusting. It's vile. It's lettuce. It, it's not it's lettuce. It's like it's, water. No, that's the problem. It's just gross. It's nasty. It's cabbagey. It's, it's vile. 
It's horrific. It's a. It's Do you a, feel the same way about other other types of lettuce? It's or veget- just no, no. I like lettuce, but I don't like iceberg lettuce. It's like the vegetation of Satan. It's horrible. Go on. Anyway, uh, so it gets all into um, global warming and uh, the ice caps melting and whatnot. But uh, it's great, really, because more than anything, the cinematography is gorgeous. There's amazing time lapse photography here that will blow you away. And uh, it's great. Chasing Ice is terrific, whether you believe in its politics or not. Also, we have from um, the National Parks Exploration Series, Death Valley, Thriving Land of Extremes. Um, I liked, I scanned through this. I didn't watch the whole thing. But uh, I did like scanning through it because uh, it's gorgeous. Really well shot. Looks great on a big screen TV. Uh, It's done in high definition. And so, uh, yeah, Death Valley, Thriving Land of Extremes. And finally, we are... Fast approaching the 50th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy, and so you will start seeing oh lots my gosh. and lots and lots of JFK stuff. So much JFK stuff. I, I mean, I've requested a bunch of it. I don't know how much of it we're going to get, but it's like, I, you know, at a certain point, I just, I, 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 I'm sitting there thinking, really, is, I mean, is there an audience for all of these DVDs? Because they're all going to cancel each other out. I mean, kid you not, they're probably like 15, 20, at least 15 to 20 JFK themed titles and it's just it's burnout people are going to look at that and they're just going to go I don't even know which one of these to get screw it there's there's only one 50th anniversary yeah you only get one I know and this is it I know so uh, this particular collection from the History Channel they're giving you eight films about his life and the assassination and his legacy and the fact that he wasn't actually a very good president but um, what I'm saying is anyway there's three discs (laughs) <laughs> he, he was president for like 13 seconds I know <laughs> He wasn't even that great a president He was fine yeah. I mean I wish he would have I would have loved it If he would have served out his term so Well that's the thing I mean, I, for crying out his, 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 Kennedy is kind of famous for um, Looking good Having a hot wife um, Not sweating Like Nixon sweat uh, The Cuban Missile Crisis And screwing and Marilyn Monroe and The Bay Pigs and the Bay Pigs, and yeah, Bay Pigs, and, and screwing Marilyn Monroe. And that's kind of it. There's really not, nothing else going on there. All I'll say is... I mean, it was a, you know, it's a short president. How do, you, how do you evaluate the guy? He was president for, what, what two and a half years? All, all I'll say is this. Yeah. You realize, and by the way, this JFK thing, is, it's fine. It's good. Um, yeah. And they pack eight films in, a, in just three discs, so it's nice. You realize that 50 years ago, basically, yeah. no, no matter what Oliver Stone might say, yeah. basically, 50 years ago... Somebody shot the president of the United States in broad daylight. Yep. And we don't know who did it. No, they, 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 but basically, a, I mean, we, there's theories in Lee Harvey Oswald. But there is a new, there is a new book, you know, that says the, the author of which says you're all crazy. It, 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 there's no conspiracy. Lee Harvey Oswald did it, and Jack Ruby shot Jay, Oswald, and then and that's it. It's done. It's exactly what it appears to be. There is no conspiracy. Shut, shut up. Well, new, well no, no, but the it, new book is it's called There Is No Conspiracy. Shut up. That's what <laughs> no, it is. No, but the thing is that it's not considered settled history. I know, but neither is Elvis's death. Well, no, but Elvis's death is—it is settled history, unless you're some sort of a wackadoodle, in which case you think he's still alive, or he choked on a peanut butter and banana sandwich, or whatever. Talk to me after the show. I'll tell you a few things that I've seen. It was while I was on the uh, on the mothership. They showed me, and I'll tell you—you'd be surprised. All right, what are we doing? 
Are we done? Uh, a, few, a few more docs. A few more docs. Real quickly, just knock these out. Uh, first run features three uh, terrific docs in their little uh, kind of eco packaging. One is In a Town This Size by Patrick V. Brown. This is all about child sexual abuse. Uh, watch this. Um, prepare yourself, steal yourself to watch this. You're, you'll probably wind up being both angry and you will weep. It is, a, it is a really, really rough film to watch, but it's an important film to see because I don't think a lot of people understand all of the ramifications of child sexual abuse. And uh, the interviews in this are just crushing. Uh, the uh, Far Out isn't, isn't Far Enough, Tommy Ungerer story, about the, uh, the famous uh, children's book author and illustrator who was a bit of a maverick and unpredictable and uh, I was not that familiar with his work, but it's, you know what, it, um, it certainly makes me much more curious. And it is, it is a fascinating profile of a very, very compelling character. Uh, a Fierce Green Fire is uh, a history of the environmental movement and uh, a half century of green activism. It is, uh, it is not exactly objective, but it doesn't mean to be. So it's, uh, it's completely all about environmental activism from the point of view of environmental activists. Uh, an outstanding doc, an unbelievably outstanding doc, is Call Me Kuchu. And um, where this documentary goes is just gut-wrenching. But the, the, the most shocking thing about this, this is about uh, David Cato. And David Cato, for those who don't know, was sort of the first Ugandan gay man to come out and become a, an activist in Uganda. And what's amazing about that is that Uganda at the time, and this is fairly recently was uh, trying to pass laws essentially making homosexual activity, even homosexual orientation, a, an imprisonable offense. And uh, it, is, uh, it is absolutely chilling to hear the people in the film the way that they talk about this. It's, it, you almost feel as if you're witnessing the same kind of rhetoric that was perhaps bandied about very casually in Nazi Germany or even in Imperial Japan. This unbelievably casual way of talking about people in a, in a society that uh, you just think should be in prison because they're not like everybody else. Really an extraordinary film um, and uh, a, a, a bitter, bitter, um, painful trajectory to it, uh, which I will give nothing away, but really a first-rate film. And for those who don't know, Uganda, all of this is still going on in Uganda. The original uh, legislation that was proposed was defeated, but they keep trying to press for it, and there is an unbelievable amount of social support for it. And uh, a kind of counteracting um, the superhero doc that Mark talked about is Necessary Evil, Supervillains of DC Comics, which uh, is, you know, a perfectly passable uh, documentary that uh, Warner Brothers made really just to promote characters that I guess they're going to try and stick into live-action films and animated uh, feature-length films and everything else. So they're, uh, it's kind of, you know, marketing it's a Blu-ray designed to market, you know, forthcoming projects, I guess. Um, anyway, it, it, if you don't know the comic villains, it'll, you know, it'll certainly be informative, but it's not like any kind of uh, groundbreaking documentary either. And then lastly, World War II three film collection from the History Channel. This is World War II in HD, World War II in HD, the Air War, and World War II from Space. Um, great looking high def stuff, but uh, otherwise mostly stuff that we've all seen before. Uh, but if Dad wants something for the holidays or, you know, for Thanksgiving to just really get his uh, macho juices flowing and get his patent on, there it is. All right, Mark, we're done. Do we have an outro? we got to pick an outro. we got to just do something. Here's, here's we we got to get off the box. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready.
Goodbye.